Welcome to Nothing Is Nothing, a podcast hosted by Ephraim Nehemiah. So I mostly noticed this on Twitter where someone will make a post be like, as a man, why are you X, Y, Z, right? Essentially challenging like, mm, that don't really seem like something you should do. And there was this individual on Twitter named Zulu underscore Goku that started to compile a list of all the different things that apparently you're not supposed to do. Some of the things on the list, right? It's like ordering fruity drinks, uh, eating a banana, being a passenger on a bicycle. And when Zulu Goku amongst other people decide to make these lists. A lot of the different comments that were directed towards men, a lot of them were in jest. A lot of them were supposed to be comical and just funny. Not all of them were supposed to be serious critiques on what makes someone a man or not a man. But I firmly believe that every good joke has a little bit of truth in it. Anytime there's a conversation about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a woman, I've noticed these are the conversations that tend to captivate so many people's attention and so much of their imagination. There's a poetry platform called Voices in Power. It's one of the most popular poetry platforms, both in person and online through TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and those things. And when you start to look through the poems that have the most views are surrounded these conversations of gender. What is a real man? What should you be doing as a woman? What is your role in a relationship with this other partner? These are the things that people are concerned most with. And I realize a lot of people define themselves by that, right? It defines even as simple as how fast should you text back? How should you approach someone? Where is it okay to work? And it really does trickle down to even things like what food you're allowed to order, how you should eat, what dance moves is okay for you to be doing, what hair is okay for you to wear, what clothes are you okay to put on? These are things that dictate our lives and dictate our everyday actions. And so much of it is wrapped up in gender. And so, of course, these conversations tend to impact us because even though people are often having jokes with sometimes what you can or cannot do, it's usually because there's some real life implications, real life implications on how other people are going to judge you based off what they think you should be doing. A lot of people were making a joke. But there's so many more people that are actually trying to figure out what type of person you are. I don't know. Is you supposed to be ordering that drink? I don't know. Should these jeans be skinny? I don't know. You feel too comfortable eating it that way. I noticed this trend on TikTok. I'm not sure how many people got to do it before it's like legit considered a trend. People was doing it. I saw multiple people doing it. Essentially, you got someone going through different daily actions. And if they do it in a wrong way, there's this like voice in the background. It's like, Gay, right? And it's interesting when we think how different terms are used. I know a lot of times I'll see maybe on social media or even in person, someone is calling someone else homophobic and they're like, y'all just be throwing around that term. I'm not homophobic just because I don't, ain't nobody scared of them. Ain't nobody scared. Y'all using the word wrong. And what's interesting about this word, it was first used actually in this porno magazine that came out in 1969. And the term wasn't used to describe people's fear, like in terms of, oh no, they're around the corner, ah, right? It wasn't this type of fear that we usually see with maybe like arachnophobia or claustrophobia. The first time it was coined, it was used to describe heterosexual men's fear of other people thinking that it was gay. 
And when we really think a lot of the times when cats be like, nah, nigga, I ain't gay, bop, 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 boom. And people be like, you're homophobic. And they describe, I'm not homophobic. It's actually not in alignment with the origins of the term. When we think about a lot of the things that we do call homophobic, it's usually someone speaking out against something about how much they don't like it, but also in the same vein, how much they don't want people to think that's what they own. Like, I really want you to go through the next time you see a comment, think, is this person that's saying this thing that other people are calling homophobic, would they be okay if other people thought they was gay? Because a lot of the times that's what it be. And so it's interesting, this, this trend on TikTok is all about men expressing how they can't do these things they actually were already doing because I don't know, it might be gay. Because that's how present the fear is. That's how present the idea is. That's how present that worry is in terms of how other people will perceive you. And I think the next level that actually makes it more frightening for a lot of those people is, whoa, wait. Do I got to change how I perceive myself? And am I ready to actually start doing that? That's what I mean by everything is connected. So often it seems like these are just isolated incidents that it ain't really that deep. You know what I mean? You know, ain't nobody really thinking about all that. But when you really start to, to look at the patterns, it's like, nah, it really is that deep. It really is connected to that. It really is this emphasis on people being worried about doing the most trivial things. Because that's how much it matters. Because we've already seen people question things like that. They'll question simple things. Real simple things. Like how you drinking a drink. Oh, is your pinky too high in the air? Which ear is your earring in? Mm, I don't know if you winking like that. Like all these small seemingly trivial things that we make entire judgments about someone's character about their personality about the things they love and who they love everything becomes a symbol and once people become aware of how easy it is for them to be judged and possibly misjudged that hyper awareness impacts how they act because they have this constant voice in the back of their head telling them whether or not that thing they're trying to do is okay this exists far beyond gender. Whatever identity someone is perceived as and the knowledge of what expectations come with that perception starts changing how you move and whether or not you want to be in alignment or against how you think you're supposed to be perceived. It impacts everything, impacts how you think, how you feel, how you do everything. And we're starting to see all these different men realize Dang, I ain't never say I was going to act like that. I ain't say I wanted to live up to the expectations y'all had of how I'm supposed to move. But am I actually ready to exist outside it? Am I ready to be judged if I don't exist that way? Am I ready to do the thing they said I'm not supposed to do? And a lot of people be like, it ain't even worth it. What y'all say I can't be on? I bet. I ain't going to be on it. There's... um. There's this amazing article by Kenneth Nunn called The Child is Other, and it explores how different children are treated, especially because of their race, um, especially how that treatment exists within the juvenile system. One of the things the article brings up is the access 
that different people have to gender expectations based off their race. So black women might not have access to this damsel in distress, right? Always been expected to work, always been expected to also provide, maybe had to be more hard and had to take on these other roles. Whereas society taught you your gender was supposed to give you something different. You had grown men have to listen to other grown men call them boy and put their head down. Had to not be the hero, had to not see themselves reflected as this I can save everything, do everything masculine role that the rest of society may have pushed out. Explored how much of the way we perceive ourselves in relation to gender is not just this one streamlined situation. Your race, your economic status, your environment, all these things impact what you actually have access to and how you actually will be perceived. I think this is the reason why we see in certain communities, especially with black folk, how it's a lot more rigid what a man can do. Growing up, there were so many times in school or if I was part of a certain program, they would have a conversation. What's a real man? And everyone will start, you know, throwing stuff out. A real man is supposed to provide. A real man is supposed to lead. A real man is supposed to dot, 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 right? And I think it was more rigid because it was easier for it to be taken away. Historically, how often has manhood been taken away from black men? And also remember growing up, I would see whether it was on a TV show or some conversation someone was having about um, kind of homoeroticism, right? Between heterosexual white men, how the different pranks they would play that I know some black men would never do. Black men would never be able to do that and maintain uh, their manhood, right? And so now these other things that they may want to do, have fun, whatever, it's like, nah, I can't do that. I went to Kent State University. Um, I was a Pan-African Studies major. And one of my professors, his name was Professor Okanta, and one of the lessons he would have would be talking about how a lot of things that we learned has came from a European perspective, a Eurocentric concept, and the idea that they taught with themselves at the center of history. So when they're looking at the oldest historians, they're going to be European, the oldest artists, they're going to be European, right? They're teaching from their own worldview, essentially. And places that they've colonized will now be taught from that same perspective. So even though you may not be European yourself, when you think of mythology, you'll think of European mythology. When you think of whatever, you know, when you think of history, you're going to think of Rome, right? all these things. And began to talk about how gender was also conceived in that same way. And how expectations around manhood and womanhood were different in other places. And one of the lessons that he gave was to try to break down our ideas of, of gender from a Eurocentric perspective and try to reframe it from an Afrocentric perspective. Growing up, the people around me weren't always like in my immediate family. In my immediate family, it wasn't like, oh, everyone around me existed as this stereotypical idea, right? It wasn't like, oh, my mother is this stereotypical idea of, you know, what a woman is supposed to be, or my father is a stereotypical idea of what a man is supposed to be, right? I feel like I got, and even people around me, I was able to see people exist in so many different ways. I didn't watch a lot of Disney movies. 
Um, because I feel like that's often where we develop our ideas around gender as well. Um, I feel like when I started hearing heavy about this is what a man should be on, this is what a woman should be on, it wasn't as easily reflected in the people around me. And so I always felt a little weird about those conversations, you know? Uh, one of the things I remember hearing was like about a real man, right? And it was like, like I said, a real man provides, a real man's a leader, a real man does this. A boy, if you don't do that, you a boy, see a little boy, he ain't gonna be there to go bam, boom, but a man. And I was like, okay, okay. I also remember hearing, everything had to connect for me at the time too, right? So I remember hearing, respect your elders, right? Children respect your elders. And I'm overly confident with the people who was talking to me, these things were supposed to be conflated. But for me, growing, everything had to connect to make sense. So I'm like, all right, boom. A real man provides, right? If you don't provide, you a boy. So from your perspective, you could be a 12-year-old man as long as you're paying the bills, right? Maybe you're a child star on your, on your Gary Coleman or whatever. I guess Emmanuel Lewis, who was... Y'all know what I mean. Well, shoot, <laughs> maybe you don't. If you on your one of your child stars, whoever was a child star, right? You paying all the bills, right? And you got a cat that's, let's say, 40 years old. No job, no home, no nothing. So based off of what you told me, that 40-year-old's elder could be the 12-year-old or even the 20-year-old that's providing, right? Because that's a real man. That's a boy, right? And I know now that's not what they meant, right? But that's the, the rhetoric they was using. And I'm learning these words. I'm trying to learn these concepts. And it just didn't connect. And it was so many other things that didn't connect. Because, like, how many people we know that didn't provide? How many people we know that didn't have this, like, super structured family that you say a real man is supposed to have? Um, I knew plenty of plenty of people that ain't had no jobs. Knew plenty of people that was trying to hustle. Knew plenty of people that was trying to do these other things that apparently a real man wasn't supposed to do. So I'm like, so is there just no real man? I, I, what what is happening here? And so I started to realize, right, when preteens and teenager years, when adults wanted you to to take responsibility and live up to their expectations, you a young man, right? You're supposed to be a man, right? Whenever they wanted to put you in your place. Whenever they wanted obedience, whenever they wanted respect, you ain't no man yet. What you think you doing around in the way they played that? So I'm like, yo, what? <laughs> Come on, like what? And I had to try to figure it out for myself, though, right? I needed definitions a lot, right? I still do. That was always something I had. I needed definitions to help me understand things. So I'm like, ain't no one talking with no consistency on their definition of a man. So... The only thing I can go with is they say you're an adult at 18. So I'm going to just decide if you're 18, that makes you a man. Under 18, you're not. I can't account for other countries' age range. But boom, we'll just do that. That was the only thing I could try to wrap my head around. So when I was sitting in this lesson with my professor, Professor Oconta, and was breaking down, nah, the way you learned about gender, that was from a Eurocentric perspective. That's why it ain't make sense for real. I'm like, because it really didn't make sense. That's wild, okay? Yeah, and we started to talk about how these other things, like, nah, that ain't really for us. Nah, nah, nah. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Forget all of that. And that led me to, like, throw away my ideas of gender in terms of how we had to, right, what you have to be. 
Now, interestingly enough, in that class, it was like, yeah, get rid of these strict definitions of man and woman. What you need is divine masculine energy and divine feminine energy. And I'm like, okay, sounds a little close, but okay. And start to like break down, like what is divine masculine energy? What is divine feminine energy? And I ain't gonna how it sounded like what I just heard. You know what I'm saying? I feel like someone's like, yeah, sweets, all oh, that's bad for you. You ain't supposed to have that. What you really need to do is eat this cake right here. And I'm like, I, I ain't gonna how that sound like that sound like what you just told me to get rid of. So I don't, mm. but it was, it was, and I saw a lot of people right at that time within Pan-African studies start to gravitate towards that, right? I don't exist in this idea of what they said a man or woman should be, but I'm in my divine masculine. I'm in my divine feminine. It was it was difficult for me to, you just helped me like liberated my mind from this concept. And so now anything that sounds too close to that, I'm going to be like, mm, I don't know about that, right? And that's what got me on the path to really trying to break down these expectations we have and where did these words come from and who taught them to who and and what societies is it different and when has it been different and how much imperialism really impacted how we think a lot about this right how much people from one country going around conquering other places and when they did that, right, they like, yeah, whatever religion you was on, scratch that. Whatever language you was on, scratch that. Whatever beliefs you was on, scratch that. Whatever names you had, scratch that. Adopt our way of thinking. But it was still just eye-opening for me to not think of these expectations as something that was like natural law, right? Nah, this is something that some cats talk to some other cats. You know, and when we think about that, it ends up trickling down to where we have people today saying, does this make sense? I got to chop my banana up with a knife and eat little pieces by a fork or else I think it's difficult to consistently live up to an expectation that someone else set for you, especially when it's constantly changing. I think there's a lot of frustration from a lot of people because of that. And they're realizing, I don't know if I can live up to this. I don't even know if I want to. I know I, I don't want the consequences of not doing it from other people. But I don't know if I want the consequences on the impact of self from doing it either. And we have all these fears impacting it. Am I still going to be perceived as a man? Will I be perceived as gay? Will I be perceived as someone who can't do this? Who's going to love me now? Will the person I'm trying to date still want me if they find out I do this? I drink fruity drinks. Will they be like, mm, I don't know. You ain't the dating partner for me. And I think we, for me, it's been helpful to, to get to a point where those people that ain't knowing what I'm on ain't the ones for me always easier said than done right the difficulty of trying to change their minds versus finding that peace in ourselves finding out why are you so afraid of that why are you so why would you be so worried for someone to think that you're gay like really explore that though not um uh, no man just no like really though what would it mean if you are? 
explore that. Have a conversation with yourself, like really dive into that, really find out if that's what you own. Because I feel like that's the only way you can really know. Really see if that's what you own. Maybe it is. Can you be okay with yourself? Are you constantly living in fear of how other people perceive you? Constantly living in fear of being your truest self because now who's, who's going to love me if I'm me? Who's going to really rock with me if I take off this mask? Who's going to want to see me if they actually see me? And can you be okay with the answer if it's no one? Will you still be willing to be yourself? Sometimes I, I, I feel like people are trying to motivate others, right? And they, and they throw the cushion on jumping off the cliff. Someone's going to save you. You just got to jump to push people, right? No, be yourself. Someone will definitely love you. Take the mask off. There will be people there. You're going to find your tribe. And I don't know if that's us really embracing our full truths, right? Like the risk of jumping off is uh, I might not make it. And I'm still willing to jump because that's what I'm on. If you say, no, you definitely going to make it. then it ain't no risk no more, right? Versus, I mean, I'll walk down there if everything's all right. Now, did you check it out? Did you go ahead of me? Did you just make sure everything's clear first? It's not the same movement for me, right? And there are things in my life where I've done both. There are things in my life where I've done both. There's things in my life where I'm like, I'm not on that, actually. If push came to shove and it was like, nah, you're not going to get the things you want. And I'm not even doing it. Forget that version of my truest self. Mm, nope. Because I'm not ready yet, right? And there's other things where I'm like, nah. I want this for myself so much. I want it more. I want it for myself more than whatever love or desire or care I want from someone else. I want that care for myself more. I want that truth for myself more than the love of a mask that I can wear. I want to be myself more than have you around me just because I'm not being me. It sounds good, right? I think the task of being perceived as a man, the manliest man, I personally don't think it bears fruit. That's worth the work. You get to decide if you want to, if you, if you still perceive yourself as a man, you get to decide what that means. If you decide, Psh, I ain't know none of that. Actually, this binary that you'll have for gender, I ain't even on that no more. I think a lot of people want to be free. I think that's why money changes so many people. Uh, there was a, there was a quote that said, uh, I can't remember who, who said the quote, but the the quote said, uh, money doesn't change you. It allows you to be who you always were. So many of our actions are done because of what consequences may come. And when you're able to eliminate the impact of those negative consequences. I think we see a lot of people, dang, maybe they're not that nice. Maybe they're not this and that. Maybe they're not this and that. Nah, they was never on that. It was only consequences that was keeping them like that. Who are you when you don't live in fear of the consequences? Some people need those consequences. There's some people that's wild out here. And I'm like, nah, fam, you got some wild desires. Actually, let's go ahead and shame you into being safe for everybody. <laughs> um, 
I feel like tweets like these highlight the importance of um, our own identity, right? And existing in how we perceive ourselves and how the world perceives us, what we can and cannot do and why we can and cannot do those things. It's a joke because it's relatable. We laugh at the things that, that connect to our realities. And that's the part about it. Because someone has seriously said to someone else, I don't know about you, because something as simple as a color, as what food someone ordered or how they chose to eat it. When I see conversations like this, what it reminds me is at the end of the day, you got to be on whatever you own. And people's comments like this that, that are in direct opposition to your path, that's just information. I ain't got to change your mind. You know what I'm saying? Just let me know. Boom. Go ahead and stay over there. I'm going to do what I'm trying to do with the people that's trying to do it with me. And that's what I feel like it's all about. Remember, nothing is ever nothing. There is always something going on with everything. And the more we can find those things out, the more we can find out about the world and the more we can find out about ourselves. So with that, that is the end of this episode. Peace. Live it up, live it up, live it up, live it up.